Today's podcast brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis. It's time once again to get on the grill with Beef Central. Hello, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and today's guest is in the view of many, the master, Australia's master in value-added food. By that I mean the raw ingredients of a meal are prepared, cooked, packaged, ready to take home, consumed with a minimum of added cooking or preparation. Let's hear the story of this remarkable journey. The Executive Chairman of Beak and Johnston, David Beak. Welcome. You're on the grill with Beef Central. Oh, hi, Kerry. Very nice to speak to you. I love listening to your program. David, uh, you had an intriguing hands-on career with uh, one of the biggest names. This is to start with, of course, uh, before you got into the value-added business. One of the biggest names in the history of Australia's beef industry here and in Brazil. Uh, a huge name, Vesti. Could you tell us how that started? Well, I was fourth generation in my family to work for them. My parents and grandparents and great-grandparents all worked for them in South America. Venezuela, Argentina, and, and Brazil. So you worked with Vesti in Brazil and here in Australia at one time? <laughs> yes, after university, I worked for them in London for a couple of years. Then I came out as a management trainee, joined the union, and worked as a slaughterman and a boner for a year in, in Riverston. And then I ran their operation in Darwin for a year, which was brilliant. Went to Holland, run a couple of factories for them in Holland. Then went back to Brazil and decided then to set up my own business and left them and came out to Australia. Before we get there, the Vesti Empire, such a big name, Australia's, uh, the history of Australia's beef industry, the Vesti Empire is still going? It is, definitely not, not what it was. I think at its peak it had 165,000 people working for it globally. It was the biggest private company in the world. 165,000 people, wow, that is huge, isn't it? Yeah, it's still going well, especially in Brazil and still a little bit in Australia and the yeah, UK and they do, they've do got some trading businesses in Asia and, and Middle East as well. So you decide to leave Vesti and you have a plan, but a part of that plan is to get some hands-on experience in an abattoir and you work for FJ Walker, I understand? Yes, so I was brought out to run the FJ Walker domestic division and that was at that time owned by Elders IXL who were seriously entrepreneurial asset strippers, I, was, I suppose you would call them, um, with John Elliott. And, but um, it, was, it, was a, it was a great time and a great experience, and I made, made a lot of contact. David, where are we now? With, this is the early 90s? This would have been 84. But you had an idea and, at the time to, to uh, this value-adding business that you have now. You must have had a plan scheming. When, when, when did it start? It really is embryonic with Vestis because Vestis had... I think at their peak, 3,000 uh, butcher shops. And I kept trying to persuade them to supply supermarkets and fast food restaurant chains. It was sort of, at that stage, quite embryonic. And they, they decided, they said, well, that, that was going to put their butcher shops out of business, which sort of I agreed with, but it would have at least transformed their business. So basically, I decided to do it myself. So you did it yourself with, um, I think it's case-ready beef. Tell us about that. Yeah, so basically we came out and we started doing case-ready meat, which is like the meat that you buy in all the supermarkets today. It's all retail-ready, prepared centrally in factories. And we, I guess, started that 37 years ago, but we were probably 10 years too early. But we kept doing it, and I think at our peak we were doing 900 tons a week, maybe 1.8 million packs of meat a week. So it, it did become a significant part of our business. 
Beak and Johnston has grown to become one of the largest uh, value-added meat companies in Australia. What sort of products do you produce now and where are they sold? Yeah, so the majority of what we do now is cooked products, ready meals, um, anything from lasagnas, curries, pies, quiches, soups, sauces, um, and, and you'd find those in all the major retail supermarkets, mostly private label, but we have got quite a few of our own brands that we use very successfully to um, protect you know, niche parts of the market. Yeah, David, the uh, the uh, name of your company, the Beacon Johnston, the Johnston Connection, that's a well-known name in uh, in beef wholesaling, is it not? Well, that started as uh, Don Johnson and Dr. Johnson, that then became the sort of part of the foundation of Australian Meat Holdings when uh, Swift, I'm sorry, Montfort came out to Australia and basically created Australian Meat Holdings, which I guess is now JBS. Of course, is. Let's get to the actual meals. What type of raw material, especially beef cuts, are used in your valuating work and where do you source them from at present? The majority of what we use is trim, also a lot of cuts that slow cook cuts, so briskets, tri-tips, blades. So basically manufacturing beef that we can slow cook to get very high quality products out of. And then we also use a lot of mints, obviously, to make lasagnas. I mean, a lot comes from Woolworths, but we'd also buy quite a lot from various abattoirs around New South Wales yeah. and, and a, bit, a bit interstate. How many tonnes do you do you need a year of the raw meat material? Getting on for 10,000 tonnes a year, I'd say, raw, raw meat. 10,000, a lot of meat, isn't it? Uh, and yeah. the cost varies from time to time, but it's mostly gone up until recently. How does that affect your, uh, your value-added business? I mean, significantly, but a lot of what we do is we use a lot of pasta, and that, and that obviously helps get the price points down so that they become highly attractive for, for the consumer. I think they can buy two kilos of lasagna for $16, which is obviously a hell of a lot cheaper feeding a family than it would be trying to feed them steak. Yeah. The value-added process, I'm guessing, but because there are so many ingredients involved in any one meal or many of the meals, that's a pretty, seems a pretty labour-intensive operation, but you're changing that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we've decided to do is, is any segment of the market we get into is we want to be absolutely the lowest cost producer. So we scan the world for the best available technology and then automate that as much as possible to get labour out and get consistency and quality up. So we need very highly skilled staff to run these lines because they are very, very complex and very um, technical. And that's the basis of your your new plant, which uh, I believe opens in six or eight weeks or before even. Yeah, we're going into a new category. Again, search the world for the best technology. And we're bringing some technology in that is going to absolutely um, change the world as far as the perception of the pies and stuff in Australia because the quality is, is just significantly better than anything on, currently on the market. Now, David, of course, the, the key to any business is your market. How hard or very hard was it to get the big supermarkets to sell your product initially? Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting story because we've always been really keen to be in meals and we've done a lot of work with ribs and soups and sauces. But when we really wanted to get into meals in a big way, the supermarket said, well, you're a meat company, so uh, we don't want to deal with it with you in meals, just focus on meat. So we had to go off and buy a meat a meal company so that we could then be seen as 
as a meal supplier, which is quite quite funny, really, considering now we, we would be the biggest prepacked meal supplier in, in the country. Value-added meat products uh, and food products generally in, in chill cabinets at Coles and Woolworths have grown dramatically, haven't they, over the last 10 years? What's the, is there a single feature behind this growth? Is it price or is it convenience or a combination of a few? It's mainly convenience. You know, with the cost of living pressures, more and more families have, have faith in the part of parties working. And also, I think the pressure with social media and TV and Netflix and everything means people have got better things to do with their time, I guess, than, than cooking. So people are looking for solutions. Obviously, price is really, really important. So, it, yes, if we can get the price point right, we the volumes, the consumers obviously really want the product. And we've seen a significant change in the market in the last 10 years since we've been involved. It's probably gone from sort of 6 or 7% penetration up to 30%. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I can recall the shelf space allocated to pre-prepared meals 10 or 15 years ago was not much. Now it's yeah. considerable. The, uh, has that growth come at the expense of um, raw meat or is it some sort of cumulative impact on it? Or? I think raw meat is probably stabilised. It's probably fairly static. And I think what people are seeing is they, they like to eat meat, but it's just too expensive to have for every meal. So if they can buy value-added products, you know, like lasagnas and stuff, then I think they see that still as a beef meal, but it's slightly more affordable. Time for a break and a word from our sponsors. Back in a moment. Breathe easy with Rhinogard, the only single-dose intranasal vaccine for control of IBR in your cattle. Get in control of bovine respiratory disease, that's BRD, before it begins. Just deliver a single intranasal spray of Rhinoguard for rapid IBR control and add a single dose of Bovishield MH1 for protection against pneumonia. For rapid protection against MH and IBR in your weaners and pre-feedlot cattle, breathe easy with Bovishield and Rhinoguard. Available from your local vet today. For over 180 years, Elders has proudly been supporting Australian livestock producers. Elders supports your business across the production cycle with more than 350 livestock agents, access to specialist livestock advice and auction services. Draw on our established relationships to buy and sell commercial and stud livestock across domestic and international markets. Enjoy Del Credere guaranteed payments when you sell with Elders. Livestock funding also available subject to approval. Elders for Australian agriculture. Welcome back. You're on the Grill with Beef Central. Our guest today, David Beek from Beek and Johnston, the master sellers of value-added meals in Australia. The prepared meat or the prepared meal market appears to be booming, as we've mentioned. How hard is it to come up with new meal ideas? I I mean, I'm guessing, but there'd be 30 or 40 or 50 different meal varieties offered at present. How, How do you come up with a new one? Yes, I mean, we're, so we're continually searching for where the consumers might go and might might want new products. And and then there's niche markets. So we you, you look at a lot of consumers are concerned about weight and carbohydrate intake. So you have to gear meals towards specific people and specific markets. So there's sort of the general market, but then there's these niche markets all around that that, you know, become increasingly important and add, add to the range. And David, has the demand changed in terms of what is popular with our increasingly diverse population? I suppose you've got to keep a close eye on that. 
it's interesting. I mean, it, it sort of mirrors what people eat in restaurants. So if we sort of look at the ethnicity of restaurants and the number of those restaurants, the market is somewhat similar to 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 that. So if Italian is the number one type of restaurants, Italian would be the number one type of meals we'd sell. So it's really just looking at trends and continually monitoring where we see trends going and what sort of products people might be looking for and also what sort of sizes they might be looking for them in. Yeah. Do you think beef has embraced the... Uh the value-added concept, uh, as well as competing proteins like chicken. I mean, you can get chicken in so many different ways now. Should we, that is a beef industry, be spending more on value-added product developments or have we, we should have been left to commercial companies like yours? We're continually working to get products that are affordable because price is so critical to consumers. Yeah. If we can get products and sell them for $6, let's say $6, will sell three times as much, five times as much maybe as if they're $9. So price is really, really important. And that's where beef does have an issue against chicken in affordability. Yeah. But you can make a lot of products, great products with mint. So um, as, as long as mint prices come back a little bit, then I think <laughs> beef will still stay very strong. Is the convenience uh, in the price... Has it replaced, is it replacing the uh, the good old-fashioned home-cooked roast leg of lamb? We've seen a big increase in slow-cooked meat, so which is more things like shoulders and lamb shanks. Yeah. And again, I think what it's really doing is it's, it's actually good for the consumers, sorry, for the producers, because we're actually adding a lot of value to cuts like briskets and shanks and things, products yeah. that people used to probably feed to their dogs. I know, briskets yeah. and, uh, and shanks, are there. they are classic examples of that, aren't they? Yeah, so slow cooking, which is quite a large part of our business, is really helping get all the values up, and I think that's a really positive thing for the meat industry. I think slow cooking's just about saved the beef industry over recent years, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's extraordinary um, development, yeah. Hey, what, your new ideas, um, uh, have you run out of new ideas or, or are you still looking? No, I mean, it, the world, is, as we know, is just changing so fast as our consumer taste. Yeah. And, you know, think products that we would have tried to sell and would have failed to sell five years ago yeah. can become can now become bestsellers. So it's about continually testing the market and trying to take the consumer on a journey. And if you get it right, then you have a bonanza. And if you get it wrong, you've just got to, yeah. quickly replace it with something that the consumer does want. Yes, it's an excellent point. And are we about to see, or are we already seeing indeed, not that I've noticed, uh, are we seeing value adding, happening to plant-based meat protein products? Yeah, we, we are. I mean, the plant-based market is, is interesting. I mean, it's been around, I mean, I guess for 900 years. I mean, if you look at the Indians, I mean, that's pretty well a lot of what they only eat. So it's not like it's a new market. I think what is new is this whole idea of having sort of meat replaced by plants. But it's still very early stages in that market, and I think who the winners are going to be is certainly not clear. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of question marks as where that market will end up. I'm sure it will grow, but yeah, the, at this stage, the threat that it, it was to the meat industry, I think, was probably you know, massively overcounted. So yes, I agree. It's a, it's a, it will always get a percentage of the market, but I don't think it's any great threat at all. Despite what uh, a lot of the naysayers say. Now, 
Now, of course, if you want more market, you look at exports. Do you export at all? Yeah, we do. We used to. <clears throat> we are continually looking at exports. There have been barriers to value-added exports to protect local manufacturing in some countries. But yeah, we are continually looking at it. In fact, we're setting up a new plant in a joint venture that will do quite a lot of export. Yeah, value-added meat products. One of the problems, of course, is uh, they have, from my memory of the exporting value-added stuff like that. There's tariffs. That's a, that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, tariffs are an issue, and also our, our costs are an issue. Yeah. So, you've again, you've got to go to a highly automated dance to get costs down. Yeah. Because the tariffs are not only on your raw materials, but obviously on your labour and packaging. So, it is it is important to be very low cost. It's a great story, isn't it? The value adding story from when you started to now. I mean, the classic um, manifestation of this is in shelf space in supermarkets which has grown so much, it's quite dramatic to walk into a supermarket now and see metres and metres and metres of value-added meals. Yeah, and I think it's going to keep keep growing. I mean, if you look at markets like Japan, which are probably the leaders, they've probably got 95% penetration. So we're still only at 30. Yeah. Uh, the UK is probably at 75. So I think that market is still, still going to grow. It's just yeah, how it's going to grow, which segments it's going to grow in, and they're the questions that... We're continually looking at and trying to work out how do we best apply the serve the consumer. I think one thing is certain, David Beak and Johnston will be at the forefront. David Beak, Chairman or Executive Chairman of Beak and Johnston, Australia's leading value-added food makers. Thank you so much for being on the Grill with Beef Central. Thanks very much, Kerry. Thank you for joining me today. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed on the Weekly Grill, email theweeklygrill at beefcentral.com. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is the Weekly Girl brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis.